Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I'd love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. We're in week two of this Christmas series. We come up with all kinds of beautiful, dreamy plans for what Christmas will be like, and then the reality of life steps in and messes it up. That's kind of how the Christmas story plays out in the Bible, too. Expectations are subverted, but for the better. Let's go ahead and get right to today's message about messy families. Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that for the next little bit we'll set aside the distractions as best we can. We'll focus our attention on what you did for us and what it means. We acknowledge your presence and we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Thanks for being here, guys. By the way, this jingle jam that uh, Melvin and Jordan were talking about, it's a really big deal. And not just for your sake, because I think you'll find it a lot of fun, really good for the, for the family, but for the sake of your brothers and sisters here, try it out. Bring some people with you. This is a family event. It's an invite event. This is one of those things that we try to do through the course of the year to give a real nice, safe place to invite a, a, a neighbor, a colleague, uh, their whole family. It's going to be enjoyable for the whole family, and it'll point them straight to Jesus. So just uh, please take advantage of this and try this out, starting out this Wednesday. So I guess the IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, is kind of the Wikipedia of movies for and TV. So I checked it out. I punch in what are the top 10 Christmas movies of all time. Can you guess what's on the list? Here's number one. It's a Wonderful Life. Shock, huh? Number two, my very favorite, Die Hard. Isn't that cool? That's a Christmas movie, guys. Number three, A Christmas Carol. You know, Charles Dickens and Ebenezer Scrooge. Number four, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, the one with the red-nosed reindeer. Number five, Christmas Story, Ralphie and the Red Rider BB Gun, all right? Uh, yeah. Now, number six, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You guys know the Griswolds. Number seven, Home Alone. Number eight, The Miracle on 34th Street, which is a proof we are told that there really is a Santa Claus. Number nine, Scrooged with Bill Murray. And then number 10 is Elf. Any of you guys have movies that aren't on the list that should be your favorite Christmas movie? Okay, I don't want to hear yours. Um, now, if you look at this list, which of these do you think is going to best to describe your next couple of weeks, your Christmas season this year? Okay, which do you think it's going to be? A Wonderful Life? Or Die Hard? Are you expecting things to get bloody when your family gets together? Christmas vacation, full of weird? Or maybe for you, for some people at Christmas, it feels more like home alone, right? Without the humor. It really can be a weird time, guys. I, I, a lot of us are going to be spending a lot of time with family, and families can be really weird clusters of people, can't they? Do you have a Scrooge in your family? A Grinch? I'm the Grinch in our family. Cousin Eddie? Or maybe yours is just the normal, ordinary, weird. 
You know, the old guy who is either intentionally or unintentionally racist. The brother or sister who insists on starting fights over politics. The aunt who just loves to judge. The grandpa who keeps teasing you about your love life. The cousin who's just uncomfortably weird. The kid who wants to be an eco-warrior. And maybe in your family there is somebody you just don't like to be around. Maybe they hurt you a lot. And maybe every time you see him or her, it just brings the pain back again. Or maybe they hurt your kids or they hurt your husband or your wife. And you're not looking to that part of the holidays. By the way, those are the kind of people who gather here every single Sunday to share this Lord's Supper together. Do you know the Lord's Supper is supposed to be a family meal? It is not supposed to be an individualized thing. It's supposed to be a family meal. And this is a weird family here at Capital City. There are people in this church family who are either intentionally or unintentionally racist. There are some people who would jump into a political fight at the slightest provocation. There are some here who would tease you mercilessly, sometimes even hurtfully. There are people in this room who are just flat out weird. And if you don't know anybody in this room who's flat out weird, then it's probably you. (laughs) There are people in this room who are passionate for a cause and they get bothered when everybody around them doesn't share their passion for their cause. And for many of you guys, there are people in this room who have hurt you or they've hurt yours. And in a few minutes, we're going to ask you to stand in line together for a little piece of cracker and a little spot of juice. Is that hypocrisy? That we all gather at this table all respectful-like? We're going to get back to that. And there are some, some of you maybe, who would love to have any kind of family at all, at least nearly any kind of family at all, no matter how weird. Listen to this girl in California who was desperate for a family at Christmas. How awful is that? I want to rent a mom and a dad just for a couple of hours. Just to be able to look into their eyes and to know that just for a moment, I am the light of their life. Do you know that's what Christmas is about? It really is. Did you know that our God has an incredible soft spot in his heart for people like that? And if they were to look into his eyes, they would know that they're the light of his life. I can prove it. It's hidden in plain sight in the Christmas story. So let's listen for it one more time as we listen to the Christmas story. You ready? But do you have any idea how weird that part of the story is and how big their part of the story is? And do you have any idea why God would invite them, of all people, invite them into the scene? Because they take good pictures? Good guys, maybe laid back, peaceful kind of guys doing a laid back, peaceful kind of a job? Yeah, right. How many of you guys have ever watched Mike Rowe's Dirty Jobs, right? Back then, shepherds would have made the top ten. 
This is a little bit speculative because the Bible doesn't tell us anything about these individual shepherds. But we know quite a bit about what shepherds were like in that culture and how people viewed shepherds in that culture. They were flat out dirty. They would live in their camps for weeks on end without bathing. Of course, most people back then didn't bathe a whole lot. But they were working with sheep 24-7. Have you ever been around sheep? <laughs> They're dirty and they smell. They're cute in the pictures. You ever been around somebody who's been working sheep before they clean up? They are not cute in the pictures. They certainly do not look like any of these guys from our paintings. And they're not just dirty physically. In that world, shepherds were socially unclean and spiritually unclean. See, they had rules back then about the kind of people you should hang out with and the kind of people you shouldn't hang out with. And shepherds were on the other list. In fact, they weren't even allowed to go to church, not because of their work schedule, but because they were unclean. They were socially unclean and they were spiritually unclean. And because of that, people treated them like they didn't matter. They didn't matter to good people. They didn't matter to God, they were told. So they tended to live in their own little clusters, semi-nomadic bands that were, in the first century, kind of equivalent to our street gangs. You know, tats, scars, bikes, headbands, getting resentful, hostile. In fact, one rabbi advised his people not to buy anything, including sheep, from a shepherd because they were probably stolen. Now listen, if people were to think that kind of things about you and say that kind of things about you and treat you that way, over time it would take a toll, it would wear you down change you. And so in that world, shepherds became known as people who were hostile. They were bitter and mean. They were resentful and angry towards the people who disrespected them. Now, maybe not to this degree, but have you ever felt any of that kind of disrespect? Have you ever seen anybody that when they looked at you, either looked through you like you didn't matter, like you were worthless, or worse? Have you ever looked anybody's, into anybody's face and seen dismissal or maybe disgust or maybe even hatred? I bet most of you have, and it hurts. And here's what we tend to do when people look at us that way. We tend to, to build up our defenses, right? So sometimes we throw it right back at them. You hurt me, I'll hurt you back. Mess with me, I'll mess you back. And you start down this path of resentment and bitterness and payback. Dis us, we'll dis you. <clears throat> Maybe you didn't know that actually resentment and bitterness can actually feel good physically. Do you know that? See, anger causes things like the cortisol in your system to rise. That your stress hormone pumps out a little bit of adrenaline so you get this burst of energy, sense of power. So when you lash out in anger, it actually stimulates some of the pleasure centers of your brain. But you guys already know that intuitively, right? Some guy cuts you off in traffic and you hit the horn, or if you're really rude, you flip him off, and it feels good, right? Spouse says something that makes you mad, and you tell him off, or you rip him a new one, and it feels good to get that out of your system, doesn't it? For a moment, 
Because after that, you crash. After you go high, you go low, and it doesn't feel so good. And that can eat at you emotionally, and it can eat at you physically. Now, here's something you may not have known. See, what resentment does is it takes that scene and it replays it in your mind over and over and over again, right? You take that ugly thing and that anger, whatever caused it, and you just replay it. Did you know that every time you replay that scene in your mind, it pours those chemicals into your system again? raises the cortisol levels in your system, the adrenaline, and it feels good. And again, you get this temporary infusion of energy and confidence and pleasure and power. And then the crash all over again, which can literally over time tear you up physically. It'll start causing things like heart disease, depression, IBS, chronic fatigue. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Because it'll also tear you up emotionally and spiritually. In fact, one guy said that dragging a chain of resentment through life is kind of like carrying around a bag of horse manure. You want to smear it in the face of the person that you resent, so you carry it around and carry it around. You keep waiting for the opportunity, and you carry it around and carry it around. And guess, guess who stinks? Have you ever carried around Anger, resentment, bitterness. Guess who stinks? Guess who's getting hurt? In your mind, you've been treated unfairly. You've been disrespected. You are unappreciated. You are unloved. Have you ever dragged any of that anger and bitterness and resentment right into your family life? Because it happens a lot in families, doesn't it? And the longer that you let it stay there, the deeper it digs its roots. And instead of getting even, what you're getting is broken, more and more broken. You ever felt any of that? Been there? Done that? I think those shepherds probably live there. Anger, resentment, bitterness, living in a world where they were treated disrespectfully, unfairly, in a world where they were labeled and ostracized and belittled. So why? Why did God send the angel to them? That's the question, isn't it? Of all of the people that God could have sent his angel to announce the birth of his son in our world, why them? We're told these messy men are out guarding their flocks when an angel shows up. And when angels show up in the Bible, they tend to scare the bejiggers out of people. See, usually we think of angels as some pretty woman in a white robe or some naked little baby, right? Yeah, right. Try super warriors on supernatural steroids, all right? And the angel says, don't be afraid, I'm not going to kill you yet. I threw in the yet. I just thought that was funny. He says, in fact, I came to give you the most amazing news ever that's going to bring great joy to all people, all people. That is a huge word. It includes that brother who keeps ragging on you, the ex-friend who keeps gossiping about you. It includes that ex-spouse who did that to you. It includes that parent who didn't do for you what they should have done for you. It includes your difficult kid. It includes you. You're part of that all. Even in your anger and your resentment and your bitterness, you're part of that all, right? Now understand, guys, I don't know if you know this, but I, I used to teach 
New Testament Greek. Taught it for years at the college. And I did some extensive research on the Greek word that is translated all in this verse. Because sometimes the Greek will kind of clear things up for people, right? Do you know what all really means in Greek? It means all. All, no exceptions. Every man, woman, child, everywhere for all time. Including those who are filled with anger and bitterness and resentment. Including those who live in a world where they're labeled and ostracized and belittled. Good news, great joy to all people, all of us. The most amazing news ever. And then that one single angel is joined by this whole army of angels. And here's what they say. Glory to God in the highest. No kidding. Peace. Peace on earth. Peace. To those on whom God's favor rests. Now, do you get any kind of a sense of why he was speaking to these shepherds? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Why instead of going to the holy God-honoring people or the movers and the shakers, the influencers of the world, he goes to shepherds. The peace and goodwill that God offers through Jesus is for them too. They're in that all. In fact, in that very moment with these angels, they are looking into the face of God as messy as they were, and they were seeing in God's eyes that at that moment, they were the light of his life. And in that moment, they started to heal, didn't they? In love with the skin on, wasn't she? <laughs> Which is who Jesus is. See, God targets these lonely, left-out people. He targets these bitter, damaged men with an offer of peace. Peace. First of all, peace with him, which is the peace that matters most, doesn't it? A peace with God that had evaded them. And then, based on that, an internal peace to replace the anger and the bitterness and the resentment that was driving them. And maybe even past that, peace with the people with whom they had been at war. <laughs> so look what the shepherds do next, after the angels. They hurry to the village, they find Mary and Joseph. Of course, the baby's there lying in a manger. And when they get there, they stand in line, right, so they can see the baby. <laughs> Because all the good people, all the important people, the holy people, they get to go in first, right? That's the way it had always been in their lives. Nah. There's no one else there. There was no one else invited that night. No one else got this special invitation to witness God entering into our world. So they're right there in the front row, center stage. I wonder how far into the experience they got before they began to understand how much they mattered to God. That God had chosen them out of all of the people who had gone back to Bethlehem for the Roman census. God had selected them to be the recipients of the message from those angels. God singled them out to be the ones to see first the baby who had come to change all 
in our world. And here's where you know what's going on. This is so cool. Little tiny detail. After seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everybody what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. They went out and told everybody. I, used to, I don't know if you know this, but I used to teach New Testament Greek. So I did some extensive research on the word everyone, right? Do you know what it really means in the Greek? You got it. Everyone. Means they told those that they liked and they told those that they didn't like. They told those who liked them, those few, and they told those who didn't like them, those many. Because the peace of God can heal broken people. And it still does. Do you have any idea how much you matter to God? No exceptions. Do you have any idea what the Son of God went through to save you? No exceptions. Did you know that your reality is not dictated by what other people think of you? Your reality is not even dictated by what you think of you. Your reality is what God thinks of you. Your reality is defined by what God has done for you. And he came to bring great news of great joy for all people. All people, every one of you. Some of you guys in this room right now need a taste of that peace and that joy. Because some of you guys in this room right now are dragging around chains of anger and bitterness and resentment, and you're going to drag those chains right into Christmas. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss how much God loves you. You're going to miss how God can heal you. And you're going to miss the wonder of feeling God's grace flow through you. Because when you get it, you can become God's love with skin on it. Some of you guys may need to talk. We'd love to talk to you. Back of the room, right over in that corner, is a room where the top it says prayer. One of our elders is in that room. They'd love to pray with you. If you want to slip back there and you need someone to pray with you about anger, bitterness, resentment in your life, being healed, or maybe you need to talk to somebody about Jesus. They're right there. As soon as the service is over, I'm going to sit right here, right? In fact, during the Lord's Supper, I'm going to be right down here. If you want to come talk to me, be glad to talk to you. There's a decision card in front of you in the chair, a little blue decision card. If you write your name, contact information, we'll call you, and we can have a time to talk if you don't want to talk in this room right now. But the fact is, guys, your story. You're in this story. Maybe not in the place you expected. You're one of those shepherds. Did you know that? And God thinks so much of you. We're going to share a family meal. And it's a weird, weird family that's going to come to this table together. There are some people in this room who are either intentionally or unintentionally racist. God's working on you. There are some in this room who would jump to a political fight at the slightest provocation. Leave it outside these walls. There are some here who would tease you mercilessly, sometimes even hurtfully, because they haven't yet understood boundaries. There are some in this room who are flat-out weird, quite a few actually, 
And if you don't know who they are, you're probably one of them. There are many here who are passionate for a cause, and sometimes they get confused as to why you're not equally passionate for their cause. And there are a whole lot of people in this room who know that there are others in this room who have hurt them or theirs. And you're about to stand in line together for a little piece of cracker and a tiny cup of juice. What's that all about? Is it hypocrisy? Gathering at this table all respectful-like? Or is it our admission that we need, we desperately need some of that peace and some of that joy and some of that grace, and we know that that's where to find it, in our Christ. This table is for anybody in this room who realizes that they are broken. It's for those of us who realize that a Savior was born that day, our Savior. For those of us who realize that he offers healing and peace, peace with God, peace within ourselves, and even peace with each other if we let him do his work. Which is why this meal is so incredibly precious to us. So if you need grace, join us. If you want to celebrate his grace, join us. If you want to talk to one of us about that grace, about making Jesus the Lord of your life, go to the room over there, come right down here, and I'll be glad to talk with you. And let's get started on your walk with God. Let's pray together. For your grace, for the peace that that grants us, for the joy that we can taste because of Jesus, we give you thanks. Give us the courage to seize it all in Christ. In his name we pray.